welcome into the Sports Buffoons Podcast. What's going on out there, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls out there of the world? Welcome on into the Sports Buffoons Studios, where we talk all things sports, which means, obviously, uh, football season is upon us. We have yes. lots of games coming up this weekend, so looking forward to that, you guys. Uh, but first and foremost, the crew is back together once again in our home base out of Lenexa, Kansas. We're not, a, we're not somewhere in St. Joe. We're not at some uh, goofy brewery down the street. We're here back at the place. So uh, how you guys doing? I'm still recovering, to be quite <laughs> honest with you. I mean, I we, we went on quite the bender the other day. I guess it was last Wednesday, but it feels like it was an eternity ago. Yeah, quite a bender. Tanner, you've been on any benders lately? I have not been on any benders. Lately. I think about two weeks ago you were on a bender. But... I was. I was. That was the Milwaukee, guys. That was fair game. So, But since I've come back, I've not been on a bender. That's true. You're on vacation. Who doesn't have a bender on a vacation? That's what so, I'm saying. Drink at noon, dude. You got to do, especially when you're in Milwaukee. I mean, that's what you want to do most is get drunk, right? That's right. So that makes good sense, beer guys. too. Uh, yeah, they do have good beer in Milwaukee. Absolutely. I'm not drinking a beer today. I'm do- sipping on a little uh, Alani energy drink, some caffeine to get me through the rest of this evening. Um, but speaking of the northern part of the United States, we're talking about the NFC North today. Yep. With obviously the uh, the Packers. Bears, Vikings, and Lions, and there's been some mixed things going on throughout this offseason with these teams. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers lost his big piece in Devontae Adams. The Lions actually made many great additions to their roster this offseason, so they're looking ready to go. I still feel terrible for the Bears, but we'll get into that later. Uh, And then the Vikings look like it's the same damn team as it has been the last three years. I think they're maybe more improved. Vikings have improved? I think there's improvements there. Okay. I don't think it's the same damn team we've seen in the last few years. All right, all right. They went 8-9 and nine last year. We'll see if they can do much better than that. I do, before we get going here, want to point out the current betting odds of the NFC North. As of right now, the Packers are minus 175. The Vikings are plus 225. Lions are plus 900. And the Bears are plus 1,600 on the divisional betting odds for this season. That's it. And, uh, Jason, JG, you had a, a great stat. You pointed out to me a little bit ago about the Bears. Yes, the Bears are plus 130 to come in last place. So that seems like a solid bet. I might just bet, you know, five or ten grand on I'd that. I'd take that. If you put five grand on that, your return would be, what, you end up make, making six grand? Uh, or a little over that? Yeah, actually? something like that. A little over six you, you'd, make, you'd make a good chunk of change on that deal. Yeah. At this point, I'm, I'm leaning that way for sure. So, uh, Yeah, especially with the Ro- Roquan Smith trade stuff happening. So, Absolutely. So we have some <clears throat> special guests here on our way with us, of course. Uh, we obviously like having everyone on uh, who is a fan favorite of these teams. Yep. Uh, so, Tanner, go ahead and take it away for me. All right, guys. So we had quite the lineup today. We're going to have Nick Bakken's on for Green Bay here in a second. Uh, then we're going to have Dan Browson with the fan club. He'll hop on for the Minnesota Vikings. We might have a guest for the Bears at 830. Uh, and then wrap it up here when you get kneecap bite with smoking Jeremy B talking the Lions. So. Kind of difficult to find those Bears fans. They all went into a hiding. You know who we should have reason. asked? We should have asked Kevin from work. Kevin from work would have been a great one to have on for the Bears. Yeah, that's true. You guys are killing me. Even he might be not, not watching football anymore now. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, let's bring in our first guest here. We're going to talk about the Green Bay Packers and none other than the Bakkins of the Nick Bakkins show. Nick, what's up, dude? What's up, you guys? How you doing, man? Ah, man, I'm ready to talk, uh, you know, uh, NFC North uh, division champs. 
Hey, we're having a little trouble hearing you. I, I hear him okay. Can you, you guys hear? Can, uh, is that better? That's better. There we go. Uh, Tanner's going uh, deaf. Yeah, it's just Tanner. It's just Tanner. <laughs> just blame, blame Tanner. We that's our favorite thing Turn to say. Turn up your damn t- hearing aid there, Tanner. <laughs> just just me. I'm like I'm liking Nick's attire today, though. Got the cheese hat on, got the 15 Bart Star jersey on. I mean, this is this is a great way to kick it off here with the the, the Packers, the 13 and 4 Packers last year, as a matter of fact. That's right. We're so, not gonna be that good this year, but we're gonna be pretty dang good. I still I still think you're pretty good. So I say we kick it off here. Let's talk about the offense here with Aaron Rodgers. Your wide receiving core, a little banged up, and it's going to be that way probably throughout the season, right? Sammy Watkins started on the pup. He's back off. I believe he's practicing as well. Christian Watson, not really good news happening. Talking about, what is it, knee surgery coming into play possibly? Coming into play. Uh, But we're hearing good things from Samari Torre, uh, Romeo Dubes, both young draft picks, fourth and seventh, fourth and seventh round draft picks for the wide receivers. Uh, then you got old man Cobb, Alan Lizard King and Amari Rogers. What's the feeling there? What, what's the feeling for a Packers fan of this wide receiving core? Uh, you just said it. I mean, we don't have one. There isn't a feeling. It's, <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you just listed what we have. We don't have one. You know what I mean? The uh, buffoons and bodkins could lace up right now and probably be wide receivers, you know, three, four, five, you know what I mean? So that's how I feel. But I I will say, you know, it seems like Rodgers always finds ways to elevate the play of lesser than receivers, you know, at some points. And all the great quarterbacks in the history of the league have done that. Peyton Manning did that. Mahomes did that with Demarcus Robinson. (laughs) Yes, right through into the bus, kick you down. And, you know, I think Rodgers is going to find somebody in this grouping of receivers, whether it is Amari Rodgers, maybe. Maybe maybe it's a a Robio Dubes. Uh, they're high on they're high on that kid. They everything I've heard. uh, Everybody's. I think it's pronounced dubs, like a la sitting on dubs. Dubs sitting on dubs. I hope he scores scores lots of tutters and we get lots of dubs. You know what I mean? That's all. (laughs) Right. Right. So what about uh, Alan Lazard though? So how was the feeling towards him? Is he is this his year to finally step up? Because we Uh, already know Sammy Watkins. What's going to happen with him? Randall yeah. Cobb's in year 12, so someone here in this top chunk of this uh, depth chart has to be the one to blow up, I think. Uh, Randall Cobb's in, like, year 30, uh, and uh, I, Alan Lazard is, like, waiting on my dead grandma with no legs to arrive to my birthday party. So that's how I feel on Alan Lazard, man. I mean, the guy's just never healthy. We've been saying for years he's going to be the number two guy. Last year was supposed to be the number two guy. Now we're asking him to be the number one guy. So I just don't think that uh, – I mean, he's going to be hurt. He's hasn't played 17 games, hasn't ever played 16 games. Heck, he hasn't even played 15 games. So, I mean, that's just where we're at with him. It's just going to be a staggered you – know, a staggered. I've said this before. Um, you know, we'll have uh, Randall Cobb for four games. We'll have Sammy Watkins for two games. Alan Lazard for eight games, uh, but we'll never all have them all together. It doesn't even now. Christian Watson's fill, fitting right in with this. Uh, he's bummed. He needs to sit out. So, hey man, you're in the perfect wide receiver core. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So, looking at the offense, then is this going to be more of a run based? Is this the time where we see a lot more AJ Dillon just kind of keep the ground game chunking along? Because the defense to me looks pretty solid. But uh, you tell me what you think. Yeah, 100%. I think it's going to be like the 49ers. Uh, This is the route they've wanted to go. Uh, It's going to be play action, which, I mean, I'll take Aaron Rodgers and play action all the time. 
I'll take, uh, you know, a heavy dose of A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. I think you're going to see Aaron Jones uh, a lot out in the slot. I think you'll see two backs a lot, Dillon and Jones, on the field at the same time. Uh, Jones, if you're, you know, for you fantasy folks, I would, you know, take him pretty high. Uh, he's going to get a lot of receptions if you're in a PPR league. I expect big things through A.J. Dillon. Quadzilla is going to be, uh, you know, taking more reps this year again. Came on really good last year after having a late uh, start to his rookie year coming on late. And now I really think two years ago that they were going to go with A.J. Dillon and Jamal Williams, but Aaron Jones took a team-friendly deal uh, so that they didn't expect him to sign. And then then they had to let Jamal Williams go. So uh, now you're, you're better off with Jones and uh, Dillon. So with that one-two punch, do you think A.J. Dillon could potentially have more rushing yards than Aaron Jones this year? Oh, I mean, I don't know. Uh, that'd be close. I don't think so because Jones just can take one to the house easily. Dylan is much more the, uh, you know, thunder. And Jones, can we've seen him take one to the house. I, I do think he could probably – I think it'll be close. It'll. I think it's probably going to be um, – almost a 50 50 split, but a lot of that Jones could be on the field still with, uh, in, in the receiving receiving. How, how do you feel about this offensive line yet? McCarty is still on the pup list, still not practicing. No clue of when he's really coming back still. And then you know, on the other side, uh, was it El, El, Elgin Jenkins? Yeah. Elton uh, Jenkins. Yep. Uh, yep. So he's on the pup list as well. So now you got a fourth rounder coming into play with Zach Tom for that right tackle. Like, obviously we can't feel good about the tackle spot right now. Right. Well, Bakhtiari's still out too. He's still, on yeah. Bakhtiari. Yeah. Yeah. He's still out. And who knows when he comes back? Yeah. I mean, he's had about three knee surgeries in uh, two years because after he tore his ACL, just something has never been able to get right. So, uh, I, man, I don't feel great about it, but I mean, they just got to stand back there and keep 12 healthy, man. As long as Aaron Rodgers, you guys, is doing psychedelic drugs and, you know, slinging darts, dude, we're going to be okay. <laughs> That's all. It yeah, it's it's insane to look at a roster like this because you put any other quarterback, well, maybe not any other quarterback, but if you put, I'd say, just about half the league's quarterbacks on this roster, I mean, you're looking at like, okay, this team's going to win like six games. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It would, yeah. But with Aaron Rodgers, they're like, well, I got faith they're going to win like at least like 10 or 11 at minimum. I, I think you're deep because our defense, and I'm sure we're going to really talk about it because I also think our defense is so good. I, yeah. I think we're going to have a top five defense, which this will be the best defense Aaron Rodgers has ever played with. Yeah. They're going to have to. I mean, obviously, the defense you guys had in 2011 was pretty badass at times. Clay Matthews over there leading the way. But I loved your guys' draft, by the way. So, I mean, you got my boy Devontae Wyatt. That's a guy I wanted the Chiefs to get pick at that time. And then Quay Walker as well. So, two of my favorite picks, uh, without a doubt, on the defensive side of the ball for you guys. But looking over the roster, I mean, you guys got some solid veteran leadership across the board. Uh, yeah, I talked about the two rookies, but you got uh, Devondre Campbell, Preston Smith, obviously. Um, you, you guys got Jerron Reed from KC. Um, hopefully, you can get something out of him more than what we got. He was a little bit of a... A dud. A dud at times. Well, he just got to spill. All he's got to do is uh, spill Kenny Clark. That's all he's got to do. So we, we're not right. asking him to be the number one tackle. You know, we have big Kenny back there. A guy I, I expect big things of is going to be Rashawn Gary. Uh, <clears throat> he he yes. had his best year last year. Mm -hmm. I expect him to take another step forward. That's why they were able to let Zadarius Smith uh, see you later, because they expect big things out of uh, Rashawn Gary here. 
And then, you know, we missed uh, Jair Alexander, one of the top, you know, 10 corners in this league. At, and that's giving him like, that's not even trying to be a homer. That's probably most people tell you he's probably top five. I was just trying to say top 10 just to, so uh, I don't sound like a homer, but yeah, uh, still, I mean, still only got like Adrian A- Amos too from the bears. Yeah. Still That's got it. Amos. Still got and, uh, great. Rasul Douglas. Obviously, is going to play some nickel for you guys too. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, Rasul Douglas. I mean, the the kid that we drafted last year, Stokes. He was had a heck of a rookie year. Mm-hmm. Now you expect him to take a uh, a second step, you know, forward. I mean, the defense boys is what's going to carry us. It's going to be run the football, mm-hmm. good defense. Let's not turn it over. Well, you know, Aaron Rodgers. What's the one thing he doesn't do? For all his flaws, he doesn't turn the ball over. Yep, exactly. That's that's the best thing for a situation like this when you have a lack of talent at receiver and you don't know what it's going to be like week to week. The main thing you don't want to do is turn the ball over and become a, a Jay Cutler fest oh, where you're just man. throwing pick after pick. And you know Rodgers is not that type of guy. So one way or the other, they're not going to turn the ball over. If you can have a top five defense, that's the number one way to have the edge in the NFC North, I think. Definitely. All right, so let's let's get some predictions rolling here. What we got the Packers finishing on your mind? Uh, I so I looked at it again, and I'm gonna pop it open on my schedule here. I had it on my phone, so we have a favorable early schedule. Like, um, so we start the season, uh, Vikings, Bears. We play the Bucks. That's probably our first loss, and I would say a loss. Then we got Patriots, Giants. Jets, all winnable games. Commanders, again, winnable game. Then you got the Bills. The Bills could easily beat us. The Lions, Cowboys, that's a toss-up. Titans, this game is a toss-up. I mean, our division's week. We do have the Rams in late December. I hope that's the game that kind of turns around. So, I mean, I'm looking at like five, five losses, four to five losses this year. I mean, somewhere the Lions right. will, will trick us up or Minnesota, you know. So I'd say five to six losses. I think our schedule is very, very, pretty favorable. For being an off year in wide receivers? Yeah, it's pretty favorable, I'd say. For sure. Jason, what do you got? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not going to be very difficult for them to win this division. And so I, I don't really think that they're going to have to do a whole lot to try to match that record from last year. I'm going to go 11-6 and six here taking a step back from last year, but again, not going to have to do that much. I mean, I do like the Vikings this year. They're going to be better, but uh, Packers will still win the division. Mike? Yeah, I like 11 and six as well. Uh, I just think that that defense is going to be the main thing that's going to carry them throughout this process. And obviously the efficiency of Rodgers. So looking at the team though, it's obviously not going to be as powerful as they were a year ago. Um, I don't know that they make it back to the NFC championship game. And if they did with with this situation that Rodgers is in, um, that would be absolutely incredible. I mean, he, he, he might as well be given two MVPs in one season if he can make this team get to the NFC Championship game just, I, just I, with the, those receivers. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's like more su- – I don't think it's Super Bowl or bust. I think the not having the weapons would be, you know, the by, the bypass, right? Like, I think last year was more Super Bowl or bust coming after – coming off after how he lost to the Bucks, uh, you know, and then – that would we've already been to three straight NFC championship games. I, I forgot that uh, one bad year to the 49ers. That was, you know, then last, or I guess we didn't make it last year, but uh, two straight. Uh, we lost to the 49ers in the divisional round. Mm-hmm. So I think this year, uh, but I think last year was more Super Bowl or bust just due to how we had been back to back at that point in time. 
uh, and being that number one seed two years ago, again, lost to the 49ers last year in the playoffs. I mean, this year, if you may, we, we, we're going to win the, I think we should win the division as long as number 12's, like I said, he's healthy and taking those uh, shrooms out there. We'll be all right. But uh, playoffs, man, it's a toss up. I'm, I wouldn't put our money on it. I'm going 10 wins this year for Packers. I think they're going to have a couple upset losses early. Um, and they'll probably split with the Vikings, honestly, this year. So I'm going 10 wins. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll playoffs, we never know what, what's going to happen. So, hey, did you catch that uh, Barstool interview, by the way, with Aaron Rodgers? What? Uh, the one on Busting with the Boys? Yeah. I haven't seen that one. I just watched the one where I've seen uh, peaks, but I haven't seen the whole episode. But it's like it's they just go back and forth at each other. Bears fans versus Aaron Rodgers. Oh, okay. I have to check that one. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. I just watched the one where he was uh did where he was talking about taking the shrooms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't remember, yeah, what what exactly it was. I can't remember the word the name of it, but is he like talked a, about his experience that he had with him. Yeah, it's like a kushka or something. Uh or I mean, he's definitely got some interesting uh, mindset going on. I can't remember his girlfriend's name right off right offhand, but um, I just, it's become a very interesting. I think I think he's playing the part in a way. I think he enjoys um, some of the backlash people throw at him because I, I think he thinks it's funny. It's kind of amusing to him or something. <laughs> I, I so, really do think he, he gets like he, he likes he likes being the bad guy sometimes, and uh, I think that he's right now just kind of playing a game with everybody and having fun with it because he knows what he was saying is a little out there. He's not stupid. So, I mean, it's just, it's different for the normal average person to hear about all these, these psychedelic experiences he's had and how awakened it made him feel and stuff like that. I I I think if you do those drugs, that's exactly how you feel. Exactly. I mean, that's that's the zen he has. I mean, this is a guy who, like, uh, after the season, uh, said he did some sort of meditation pocket pocket two where you really just like got. I mean, crap coming out your nose, your butt, your mouth, like all at yeah, the same. He did say like that. Twelve day weird cleanse. So I, I firmly believe that's who he is. He is this. Uh, I don't just this guy who's out there. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you who he is, man. He is the NFL's version of Kyrie Irving. He's a flat earther. <laughs> no, you, know, you say that. No. Flat Earther, get rid no. of the, you know, don't, no, I will don't not let have that last for me, JG. Don't. No. <laughs> hey, let me finish. I said he's like he's like the flat earther. Don't let that vaccine anywhere near my perimeter here. And, uh, and his girlfriend's kind of name, a, his girlfriend's name is thinker. Blue of Earth. Blue of Earth. Yeah. He's not vaccinated. He's, he's Kyrie Irving. God, he's he's Kyrie, he's Kyrie Irving. Irving. That's who he is. That's a good point. That's a good point. See, there's a difference. I, I, there's I a take difference. Day. <laughs> yeah, Kyrie's not even he's not immunized. Aaron's immunized. Don't don't you play the <laughs> That's great. Well, Nick, we're gonna let you go, man. Enjoy your vacation here this weekend. Hope you have a bunch of fun and I'll talk to you Monday. Hey, we'll see you guys. It's been a pleasure. I'm gonna try to exit this video without ending your guys' broadcast. Like ah! <laughs> oh yeah, that's what Tanner would do. <laughs> Thanks. Appreciate bringing that up. See you, dude. Later, bro. Yeah. All right, guys. <laughs> that's a character. Uh, next up, guys, we're, we're talking Minnesota Vikings here. We're going to bring on Dan Brosnan of the fan club. What's up, Dan? Yo, Yo what's going on, boys? How are we doing tonight? Good, how are you? Doing really good. I'm excited to talk some Vikes for a little bit. I think this might be the year that we take back the division, boys. You think it's going to really happen? It's going to be close. Uh, when I was making my predictions myself, I like, went back and forth a little bit. I was like, I don't know where to go, but... 
It's, uh, Listen, I think that's what we have of, you on. <laughs> I think out of all the teams last year, we were we had like six or seven losses that were within like seven or less points. If you could just turn like flip three or four of those games, you're in the playoffs. So I mean, at the end of the day, I think that having an offensive coach come on in there. And we have a bunch of pro bowlers. If we can just get these players to buy into this system, I definitely think you could get at least 11, 12 wins out of this squad. So here's the issue with the Vikings last year, right? They'd get the lead, and after halftime, their offense would disappear, and they had to rely on the defense, who was already beat up to begin with. You guys couldn't score at, at literally after halftime most games. Hopefully this changes, right? This has to change. This oh, yeah. We gave up the most points in the last two minutes of every half of it. The first half and the second half. For some reason, those last two minutes, we give up hella amount of points. We'll do good 80% of the game, 90% until that last 10%. We, we absolutely pooped the bed. And I think that was the problem against Mike Zimmer was you're supposed to be a defensive guru and, and your offense is pretty good, but your defense was pure trash and it just kept getting worse every single year. And I, I understand that sometimes you catch bad breaks, but it just seemed like the last three years, no matter what happened, we couldn't stop the run and everybody could pass against us. I mean, pe people were were breaking records against. Our defense was like one of the worst Vikings defenses in the history of the team. Yeah, even Chicago had your number. So that's the worst yeah. part of it all. <laughs> exactly. And and I mean, dude, when Nagy is like dominating you, that's when you really gotta just question everything. And it's not like <laughs> the roster on Minnesota is not bad. I mean, when you look at it, it kind of reminds me of the Cowboys in the sense of every year you look at the roster, like on paper. This is a top five, top 10 roster. I mean, you got Jefferson, you got Thielen, you got Cook, you got Cousins who's serviceable. For years, we had Anthony Barr and Kendricks, and we, we've had a bunch of studs on defense. It just, that thing fell apart. So even if our defense could be just in the top 15 this year, man, we, we could be a, a decent team because our offense Barring injury is going to be a top 10 offense with all the studs you have there. And I mean, Kirk Cousins, you can say what you want about him, but he puts up the stats. He gets the wide receivers going. He's smart. He, he, he makes good passes and good decisions. He just doesn't have any legs, meaning your offensive line has to block. Right. So do you think he's limited in any kind of way? I mean, like, what do you think? holds him back from getting over that hump because he's a very efficient passer, obviously. Speaking of the stats and everything, I mean, year to year, you kind of know what you're going to get out of the guy. And obviously there is great weapons there, but what is it that's holding him back from just getting to that elite level and being able to close out games in a lot of ways? So for years, I always thought that Kirk Cousins is a guy that isn't going to lose you a game, but he doesn't necessarily win you the games either. And I do think that with an offensive mind, a dude that's coming from the Sean McVay scheme, I think that if they can get him to just elevate his game one notch, mm -hmm. that will be all you need because he's, he, he's distributing the ball. Stat-wise, Kirk Cousins is always going to – 
like become available and put up those numbers. It's just about wins and losses where he sits right in the middle. So I think it's about stepping up as a leader and also not just making the right play to put up stats, but making the right play to win the game. And we talk about that all the time is there's certain ways that you win. You have to dominate in the Vikings. At least last year, we always took our foot off the gas. We would get leads on teams and good teams, even just dating back to, I think it was week one against the Bengals. We almost had those guys beat. And then they just came back. We, in the last two minutes of the first half and the second half, we gave up like 15, 20 points real quick that's very fair do you have anything jason Uh, i'll keep it simple here i got a couple of over unders here that i would like your opinions on so uh justin jefferson over under 100.5 receptions ah they put him at like right you know about about 100 you know what if Thielen comes back and he's healthy we're gonna go under here just he might have more yards, but hey, if if you have all your weapons here, maybe it is an under. I, but I'm I'm very iffy about that, my friends. That's a hard one. And I'm actually okay with being an under as well, because you got KJ Osborne coming into a second year, a guy that's going to be huge for this Minnesota team. And also, don't forget about Alexander Madison. Just because he's the backup, Delvin Cook doesn't mean he's going to be part of that duo backfield uh, yeah. for this Rams offense or for this Vikings offense from a former Rams coordinator. Exactly. And I think that definitely there's a chance that he could be the Cooper cup and we're going to be sitting here being like, Oh, easily a hundred plus receptions. However, I want to see how Thielen works because one can't get 80 receptions. The other get a hundred like that. That's going to be hard. Who's going to be kind of the focal point and who's going to be number two. It's obviously probably going to be Thielen as the number two, but how much does he take away? I, w- I wouldn't bet on that at all because Jay Jettas is a beast. I feel like if you bet the under, he's going to go over. If you bet the over, he's going to go under. It's just a weird one. Gotcha. Well, yeah, the offense to me just looks totally fine. I mean, in a lot of ways, this team looks almost exactly the same as last year, in my opinion, until we get to the defensive side of the ball. That's where I've seen a couple additions. Obviously, uh, you got Zadarius Smith over there coming off the edge, Jordan Hicks, Eric Eric Hendricks, um, and then, you know, Patrick Peterson, of course, is back in the mix again. Harrison Phillips Um, coming into play. Yeah, Harrison Phillips, obviously, in the interior. So there's there's some guys now on this defense, and I really loved the pick of Lewis Seen, by the way. Um, that was a guy that I had on my radar from Georgia uh, for the Chiefs. Then Andrew Booth Jr. as well. Hey. I think the defense has a lot to work with right now, and that's probably going to be the thing. If you guys can corral all of that and get that somehow in the top 12, well, then you have a run at legitimately taking the, the division back, as you, as you alluded to a few minutes ago. So what are your thoughts on the defense? What's it going to take to steal this back away from the Packers? So first of all, I think that – the, the Packers have already kind of handicapped themselves in a few ways. We'll talk about that in a second. But I think that when, when it comes to the Vikings, we just have to get the right offensive scheme. And I think it really comes in just the interviews and the things I'm watching about our new coach, O'Connell. Just a happier dude, more of a people person, more of a player's coach. I'll talk to you. I'm not going to be like a dictatorship like and just scream at you the whole time. And I think if he can just get more out of his players in a positive way where they buy into the system, 
you're you're going to see more out of your defense. It seemed like the last couple years, the defense hated Zimmer. No matter what they did, it was just everyone was under um, underperforming in the run game, in pass protection, just everything, every situation except for like maybe your quarterbacks and, and your receivers and Dalvin Cook. Everything else on the defensive side, everybody was underperforming. Even even guys like Anthony Barr, who's who's a Pro Bowler, so it, it was a tough time to be a, a fan of the Vikings defense. However, with a new coaching change coming in, and you talked about that they got seen and they got Booth, who are dogs. You bring in that new blood, that energy, get this team to a top twelve, top. Like even if they're in the middle of the pack, like number 14 or 15, we could still be a lot better of a team. We just can't give all those points away at the end of the game. If we can work on that, they can be at least 11, 12 wins. Yeah, it seems like the Zimmer situation there just kind of it ran its course because he was with the Vikings for, I'm not sure right offhand, but it seemed like a pretty long time, actually. Um, and now you got Kevin O'Connell, obviously you get players coach, uh, played in the NFL, you know, who's a backup quarterback throughout most of his career. But obviously he's been around the game long enough and kind of knows what young men need in some ways to motivate themselves. And it's not always just being yelled at and scolded all the time. Maybe that's something some of these players got tired of with Zimmer, just that kind of old school mentality. You know, the Chiefs had Todd Haley at one point and the players didn't respect that too much either. Different thing, obviously, but, uh, you know, similar uh, style, I would say. So I got a quick question for you before we go into predictions here. Another thing that haunts the Vikings all the time is place kicker. Why is there nobody competing with Greg Joseph this year? There has to have to have somebody. Listen, I I agree, but I'm from all my people that are in Minnesota watching these camps. Dude is drilling it. I guess a couple nights ago he just drilled a 58 yarder. He's snapping. So, I mean, it is the magical thing where, you know, in, in preseason and training camp, he looks great. And then in the regular games, watch, he's just going to crap the bed for Pressure. us. But it, right now, I like for the longest time, and I've said this for years, Mike Zimmer had, was like the antichrist when it came to kickers. He was like, no matter who it was, there was bad juju on that kicker. I think Zimmer was not very patient and he wasn't very nice. I mean, we, we drafted Daniel Carlson. He had one or two bad games in his rookie year. Like we're talking week one, week two, we cut him. And now he's a two, three time pro bowler for the, for, for the Raiders. So like at the end of the day, our, our kickers were never believed in and they were just kind of, uh, they were almost looked at like the peasants of the crew, like, yo, j- just do your job and move on. But really a kicker we've seen with how many playoff games now with all different kinds of teams, you need a good kicker. And I'm, I'm going to say with, with O'Connell being a player's coach, he's, he's going to put all of his trust in the guy for one year and say, you know what, we're, I'm going to, I'm going to take my hands off the reins and let you just be yourself. And doing that, he looks better than he ever has in any training camp. That's fair. That's fair. All right. So prediction time here. Vikings, what were they finishing in? What's the record? Um, Definitely we're going 
First place in the division, and I'm going with 12 wins. I'm going to put the Packers right behind us at like 11 or 10. I don't think they're fully going to just be the worst team. I just think that they're going to have some trouble this year because you had to pay Rodgers all that money. That means I had to get rid of a lot of some quality starters on the team. And I don't know who their number one receiver is right now. Is is it Lazard? Is it's it the Watkins? Lizard King right now, man? Who who's it? The Lizard <laughs> King. Dubs. Whoever's healthy is their, is their number one. <laughs> <laughs> Who, whoever can play on the field, I guess. <laughs> exactly. See, that's why I can't. Even as a as a Viking fan for years, even when you're doing predictions, you want to pick your team. But there's just some years, you know, like no, the Packers, they're really good this year. I I think that they've got some weakness and and. And like Vikings, we're sharks, baby. We smell that blood, and this is our year. I think we could definitely take this. I don't think the Bears are scaring anybody, and the Lions are too young. They're not They're not developed, even though, honestly, I, I would love to see the Lions finish second with like eight or nine wins. It would be awesome. Um, I the, the Lions are a team I could see them win like eight or nine wins, but I or I could also see them win three or four. So weirdest team in the division. The only two consistent things I could see is the Vikings doing good this year and the Packers doing good, the other two teams. So they're they're gonna be contenders. It's just all about like I I think winning the division's cool, but can the Vikings actually contend in the playoffs is the question. That's always a question for any team really lately. So, uh, JG, what do you got prediction? So, I like the new coach, and I, I think they're going to be better for sure. I think the offense is going to be better, and I'm going to give them the exact same record, actually, that I gave the Packers. I'm going to go 11-6, and six, although I think the Packers with Aaron Rodgers will own the tiebreaker in that scenario, but I am going to go 11-6. and six. Yeah, very nice. I had to think about this one for quite a while, and I had a hard time deciding – but I do like them improving by two wins this season. So I have them at 10 and seven, which is going to be just one game behind the Packers, just because I need to see it to believe it. That's all. Um, but I think there's absolutely potential there to take this away and tie them with 11 wins or even potentially get 12 as uh, we were su- suggesting here. So that's what I'm going with. I got them winning the division and 11 wins on this one. Um, I would go 12 with you, Dan, but I just feel like there's a Viking game coming into play where they're going to lose it in the end to some nobody. So yeah. maybe maybe it's the Giants there in week 16 after <sighs> Daniel Jones finally gets benched. So <laughs> they came out all motivated with their backup and yeah. somehow Tyron Taylor, him. baby, coming into play. Well, Tyron Taylor could beat anybody. I mean, that's it's right. Possible. That's right. You never know. So awesome, man. Hey, I appreciate you coming on, joining us, talking to Vikings. I know. Usually night's not the best time, but we appreciate you coming on. So, Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I had a blast. Thanks, yeah. man. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, guys. Dan Browson, everybody with the fan club. Uh, always a great guy to talk to. Yeah, he's got a good channel, too, so definitely check him out over there. And he's always on Let's Talk Sports. Uh, on Monday yeah. morning at 11 a.m. Central, he does the call-in show with Dan. Uh, fabulous job there. All right, guys. Looks like uh, we're talking some bears before we get Jeremy B on. So let's talk about the bears. All right. Bears time. Tanner. To talk about, well, what do you mean, there, <laughs> well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Now I'm not going to completely bash the bears, but I mean, looking down the list of the roster, I think Darnell Mooney had a good year last year. They did get our guy, Byron Pringle uh, from the chiefs and yep. added him to the team, but they got some weird names on their team. So if you're just looking across the board, the receivers, you got Dante Pettis, who would have thought he's still in the league. 
And then Tajay Sharp. Tajay Sharp is still in the league, too. And then they grabbed and kill Harry, who's just, you know, a big, big time bust over there from the Patriots. And uh, it's just it's an interesting group of guys. I feel like they're kind of throwing names at the wall and seeing what kind of thing sticks. But I feel bad for Justin Fields in a lot of ways because this team structurally is going to be the biggest problem, I think, to begin with. They're trying to offload some of these guys on their defense. Obviously, we just heard about Roquan Smith now yep. is up for a trade offer and Robert Quinn doesn't want to be there. So it's like, what kind of motivation does this team have going into this season? So that's going to bother me. And uh, there's uh, oh, smoking he's, he's, he's in the waiting we'll house. He's in the bullpen. <laughs> <laughs> he's waiting. So, but the, and then they're also trying to get rid of their first round or second round pick last year, Tevin Jenkins. Right. Like, I don't understand right that at all. I mean, you just got the guy. What do you, so what are they, they're obviously going for some kind of implosion where they just want to start it all over. But how do you do that and not make it so obvious, especially when you have a young quarterback in Justin Fields who you don't want to ruin? I mean, you still exactly. want the guy to have a career that gets kicked off in the right direction because we've seen in this in the league a hundred times, guys, where quarterbacks go to bad teams and their whole career is ruined because they were in a bad situation for too long and they never come back out of it. Ryan Tannehill is a good example of someone who did get out of that situation and ends up having a successful career. It doesn't always happen that way, though. No, it doesn't always happen that way. And if you look at the line, too, it's almost a revamped kind of line, but maybe not in the best way. They did get Riley Reed from Cincinnati, which is why I think they're trying to move Tevin Jenkins out. Uh, but Schofield from uh, Chargers, Patrick Lewis, uh, or Lucas Patrick, sorry, for center from Green Bay. Like I, I don't know. I just don't see the direction they're trying to go. And they might be trying to offload these guys, essentially, because it's a whole new regime for that Chicago Bears. Right. Uh, in the play, right? They let go of, I think, almost well, everybody. What if these guys come into this team and they're like, oh, we don't even like Justin Fields? What if they just say, let's implode the whole thing and basically make this a scrap year where we offload some guys? Because if this team starts off, for example, 1-5 and five or 0-6, and six, I mean, then you're looking at a situation where it's like, yeah, you probably should trade Robert Quinn. I mean, why would you not at that point? You know, for yeah. something at least. Well, I mean, you so Robert Quinn, uh, Rokon Smith, let's say both of those guys get traded right before the season started. What do you think Eddie Jackson's doing there in free safety? The tenured guy. Yeah, the I guy, would want out. Why Why wouldn't he request a trade to get out? Yeah, and, absolutely. And, and to that point, if you're Chicago, why would you not just try to trade as many guys as you can and try to get assets? Because you're obviously already going to tank anyway. Then if you're going to tank, you might as well get rid of some of these players and get even more draft capital because I'm with Mike here. I mean, that's my biggest concern with the bears is you don't want to ruin Justin Fields. And I, I don't necessarily think that they, that he would be ruined if they tank this year, but you know, later on down the line, like this, this could be a disaster. And, and Justin Fields is a great talent. I, I would hate to see his, his career ruined because you know, who's he got? I mean, Mooney is a good player. He's got mm-hmm. Cole Komet to throw to, but the team as a whole is going to be a dumpster fire this year. And so, yeah, that, that's my biggest concern by far is just the potential ruining of Justin Fields' career. Yeah. So let's talk positives, guys, right? You just mentioned a couple of guys right there. Darrell Mooney, or Darnell Mooney, and uh, Cole Komet. Po- positive uh, weapons for Justin Fields to connect with, right? Cole Komet coming in uh, to his, what? third year now second third year yeah i think third year coming up for Colt so so yeah a weapon that he's familiar with that he actually did perform towards the end of the season last year darnell mooney same thing a guy that kind of blew up last year as well on the opposite side of Allen robinson 
So this is positive for Justin Fields. It's not quite ruining everything. He did get, he did improve probably the right side, if anything, of that line. Uh, still got to worry about the left, I believe. But I, I don't know. Is there is there a lot of positive here for this for Fields in general? I mean, in what kind of perspective? I mean, besides because... besides your two running backs, are Herbert and Montgomery. Sure, and that's that's fine. I mean, obviously, you know what you're going to get out of those guys. I mean, Killa Herbert in a pinch can come in and be okay. David Montgomery is probably going to be the workhorse that they need to stay healthy this year to rely on to kind of help carry and run off that play action. Mm-hmm. We don't want to have Justin Fields throwing the ball 50 times a game. That's not how you're going to win in that situation because he's going to eventually become turnover prone when you put him in hard situations where you can't run the ball. It's just not going to work with this kind of team. I do think there is some good young guys. I, I do like Mooney. I think he came along well, like I said. Komet's fine. I think the old line situation is the left tackle. I'm more concerned about what they're going to do in that spot because Cody Whitehair has been around for a long time now, pretty good left guard, and Riley Reef, obviously another old veteran who's been around for a long time. There's some guys there to work with, and I, I'm, I'm concerned because they're going to be in shootouts because you're going to have a lack of motivation from this defense. And so whenever this defense is out there on the field and just getting whipped because that's what's going to end up happening, then the offense is going to be trotting back out. They're going to be down, down 14. Right. And when you're down 14, well, we got to pass the ball now 40, 40 <laughs> more times this game. So that's where you're going to run yourself into situations where Fields is going to be becoming turnover prone by design. And that's what I'm afraid. I, I I know you asked for positive. I'm going back negative. Here. I know you're going. I can't I, help it. You can't even you can't even stay positive. I can't help it. I, I, when I tell you guys my record, you'll understand why. But well, I mean, last year too, we saw Justin Fields struggle to stay in the pocket because there was no pocket to stay in. Right. right? Take the take the hike and then run. Yeah, that's, that's literally what, what he did. <laughs> and we saw exactly what that brought. It brought misery, essentially, for the Bears. So right. I'm hoping with Reef and, like you said, Cody Whitehair, maybe Braxton Jones comes out and surprises us at left tackle, but the fifth rounder. But Truthfully, this team is two to three years away from being any type of contender. And guess what? When Justin Fields contracts for, for rookies up and you got that fifth-year option, um, and like, it's, it's not going to be good. Like it's, you're going to be looking at the guy going, well, I guess he's not doing it for us. Well, you like, never, you never gave him a chance. It's going to be like Sam Darnold. Okay. Well, right, we'll get move, rid of him. Move on quick. The difference is, uh, Fields has more talent than right, Sam Darnold. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. There's so, more upside there. Yeah. And then they got what Kyler Gordon, the second round for corners. Uh, right. And he's fine. Yeah. I mean, he's all right. J- uh, they picked two corners in the second round. J- mm. Jaquan Brisker, I guess that's safety. My bad. Mm. And then Kyler Gordon, but I mean, even the secondary doesn't even look that appetizing. No, nah, it's, it's, it's going to be rough, rough sledding for those guys. So that'll be the feast yeah. of the division in the uh, division of Lions and, and and Packers. And all right, well, we won't things. spend too much time on the Bears guys here because there's not too much to spend uh, about. But let's go and do a record prediction. JG, what you got? Here, here's my positive to answer your question from earlier. I'm going to give them three wins. That's my positive take. Yeah, my my positive is four wins, four and thirteen. Wow! So <laughs> even though I just destroyed everything about the roster because I can't stand it, <laughs> four and thirteen because I'm going to give them a few that they're going to sneak away somehow. I, I don't. I mean, this this isn't like the, the you know the Lions team that went zero and sixteen. Yeah, you know it's not it's not to that level of sadness. It's but it's also not good either. So I, I'd go four wins as well. I think you with I mean you got Houston, you got New York. Uh, you got to, your first week is against Trey Lance, which we still mm. don't know what how he's going to perform. But if you're Trey Lance, that that is your that's breakout positive right away game. Go out there, or and, it's going to be a real big negative impact for you. So 
the Bears should be a probably bottom seven defense in the league this year. Yeah, easily. Easily. So I, I'd go four wins on it as well. Obviously, I think we all got them finishing last. Oh, yeah. So that means put the bet down, you guys. The plus 130 for Bears to finish last. That's right. When we get our Kansas bets up on our bet selections, which should be like any day now, we're going to log into our apps and we're all going to bet $100 on Bears, on finishing, Bears last. finishing last. Easy and you, win. And you got to do it before they trade Roquan Smith. Otherwise, the odds are going to change. That's yeah, that's awesome. a good point. That's yeah. true. 10000 bucks, man. Throw it down. <laughs> cool. Well, let's talk about something a little bit more positive coming to play, guys. Let's bring in Kneecap Biden. Smoking Jeremy B. What's up, on fellas? The river. What's up, dude? Well, I didn't make it to the river. They got another concert going on down there. So I'm actually on my front porch with a little scenery here. That being said, <laughs> I I love this town that I live in as almost as much as I love the team I root for. <laughs> that being said, you were talking about the Bears, and let me tell you why I call him Bustin Fields. And it's not because he's a bust; it's because he's going to get busted behind that trash O line. Yeah, it's going to be a disaster, it, and I feel bad for the guy. I, I, I feel bad for the kid. I was hoping he'd be okay, but when he went seven touchdowns and ten interceptions in the games he played list last year, and that was with better talent on the team than they have this year, they're in trouble. That'd be yeah. funny if they just run the damn wildcat like every other play. Uh, they may have. They man. may have to. They may have to. They have. <laughs> they may have to do like a full house formation with the two running backs, Herbert and Montgomery on the field, and RPO every play. <laughs> hey, do whatever it takes, I guess. Maybe scratch out your four or three wins that way. I guess I don't know. <laughs> I, I I I said on my NFC North review, I gave them three to six wins tops. And that's if they catch fire. Yeah, if if they get six wins with that team, that means Fields is pretty legit, I would say. Right. That's exactly why I I give them that window of wins. It's because of the potential that Fields could be good. I'm not calling him Bustin' Fields because he's a bust. I'm calling him Bustin' Fields because he's going to get broken. Do you remember how he said before the season, oh, the NFL is slow? And that's because he was playing against a slow old defense. Right, exactly. <laughs> that's a great point. I like that you pointed that out right there. That's true. I mean, and that's why he looks good right now. He's playing against the worst defense in the division, quite possibly one of the worst defenses in the league. Yeah, I, I think so. Eric Dalton and says the Bears will suck. Thanks that's one of my, my Lions faithful <laughs> right. who's been on my show a couple times. I, I recognize the name. I was like, I've seen that name before. I just could, yep. I, I figured it was I, I sent him the link so he could come in and watch because he said, send me a link. <laughs> he wanted appreciate to be on the show. Awesome. Appreciate it. We have a little more exciting team we should talk with you about, though, other yeah. than the Bears. Let's talk about so. the Lions. Let's talk about oh, man. exciting. Did anybody watch the Hard Knocks episode last night? I haven't Not seen yet, it. Not yet, no. I haven't seen it yet motivational, entertaining, high energy. The first day, it was a lackluster day, just like it is for every training camp for a rebuilding team. They were coming out, they were doing the tackling drills, and Dan Campbell lit them up. It didn't even take, it didn't even take him five guys. And he runs out there, he goes, the fundamental of being a defensive player is tackling. If you can't tackle, you're not going to be on this team. And the next thing you know, they start tackling people. They started hitting. And at the end of that first day, Jamal Williams said a speech that, quite frankly, not only motivated me, but almost had tears in my eyes because he he was crying about it. 
He goes, I love this team, and I love y'all. When you're tired, you better think about that bleeping record from last year because we're not that team. That's, Absolutely. That's yeah. I'm, we're gonna have to watch that. Yes. Yeah, I, I I love Hard Knocks, yes. and I need to I need to get some time maybe tonight even to and put that on. Hutch did the whole first verse in the chorus of Billy Jean, and it was comical <laughs> yet well done. Yes, I think I saw that on Twitter actually. <laughs> so looking over the, the roster here, though, obviously, I mean, there's a lot to be excited about at the receiving group. Obviously, I think if you have a healthy DJ Chark. He could get back to that level we saw just a couple of years ago. Shark uh, is healthy and he's looking fantastic. I mean, the, the chemistry the, between yeah. Goff, Shark, Reynolds, Amon Ra St. Brown, and even gotta hate him, but Khalif Raymond, it's palpable. You can actually almost taste the energy in the building between them. Right. Plus you got great pass catching running backs too. Yeah. Tanner loves him some DeAndre Swift as one of his yeah. keepers in our fantasy league. And Jamal Williams too. So I mean offensively, so the main thing, obviously, you have talent there, and the old line is coming together too. But is Jared Goff going to be the guy? Does this does this be the moment he takes a step forward with this team? Um, he already has taken a step forward. He's shown leadership. Taylor Decker came out in a soundbite the other day. He goes, he's making our job easier. He's making the right reads and calling out the right protections for us, which makes our job as an O-line that much easier, telling us who we're going to double and who's going to be coming around on an outside blitz so we can rotate somebody over there. He said, it's night and day difference from what it was last year. And that's also because... Goff and Ben Johnson sat down going over the game reviews of the 2018 offense with the Rams, which they kind of modeled this offense off after without having a Todd Gurley on the team. I mean, because there's not a lot of Todd Todd Gurley's healthy out there, even in this league, let alone on this team. That being said, if you look at it, the talent level on offense is very similar to what he had that year. A top five O-line, a better faster wide receiving core that is going to get separation because Reynolds, Benson, Khalif Raymond, and then once Jamal Williams is healthy, that's four guys that rub su- run sub 4-4. Four, four. That's true. That's very true. And he only had two of that when he was at with the 2018 Rams. He had Reynolds and he had Brandon Cooks. Right. So, like, molding it after that, obviously, there was a lot of pre-snap motion in that offense, I remember, with the Rams. And if, if you guys remember at all, the, the great uh, Mexico City Chiefs-Rams game was one of the greatest offensive games I think anyone's ever seen. Now, the, the penalties oh. be damned, because that was a disaster on that end of things. <laughs> right. Uh, had a crew but, of all a bunch of head referee crews together all at once, and everyone had a big head in that one. But And, still, and you, you can say what you want. Goff outdueled Mahomes in that game. He had more deep ball passes that were accurate than Mahomes had for the Chiefs in that game. I think uh, deep ball passes, which is anything over 25-plus yards, uh, Mahomes had three of them. Goff had seven. Yep, he was torching our uh, 2018 that, Chiefs defense. Secondary. That was a uh, pretty rough goings on that one. <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to say Goff is the next coming of Tom Brady or anything like that because that's a way stretch of the means. But with... Better offensive play calling like he's going to have with Ben Johnson and Dan Campbell. I could see where he's going to be in the top 15. Top 15 QB. Okay. Okay. I could see that. I could see that kind of a step up again. Because, I mean, obviously going to the Lions in the first place, immediately the NFL fan base as a whole was like, well, his career is probably done. And now we're looking at this team going, okay, there's a chance for a resurgence. So, at the end of the day, it's going to come down to him. 
if he's got the, 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 the mental capacity to get this all done and taken care of and corralled and the maturity, of course, comes along with it. And if he has all of those things, then he's going to be just as great as he was with the Rams in 2018. Yeah, and well, they got the coach to do that, to be able to revive yeah. somebody's uh, what career. Now, pretty much. Yeah, like just being able to get that confidence back from Goff when, when he was with the Rams when he took him to the Super Bowl. Having that confidence come back uh, after being traded from where you thought maybe you were spending your career, and all of a sudden you're traded for Stafford and – you know, the confidence went away. We saw it. But now you have yep. a guy, you have a head coach that came in, big attitude, big confidence. No, he told Goff, he's, you're my, you're my guy, essentially. And now I'm giving you weapons around us, giving you a line. Let's go to work. So that's, that's the guy to be able to do it. And, and Dan Campbell is that guy to be able to do this. 100%. Uh, that is why this front office and coaching staff is 100% why I'm all in that the Lions could be that sleeper team that sneaks into the, a wild card and maybe shows up a team if they're playing hot at the end of the year. Nowhere am I calling them to make the Super Bowl. I'm not, I know they're not ready for that. We don't have the safety depth or the middle linebacker depth to make it a complete defense right now. That's being brass tacks, bold face honest. We have eight winnable games on the schedule. That's all teams of sub 500 records just like we had last year. We have four games that should be a toss-up. And then we have five games where if we're able to eke out one, that's a surprise win because there, there are five games that everybody says that should be a loss on the schedule. That no matter how you look at, there's five teams we should not beat. All right, so looking at the draft they had in the end, obviously who doesn't like Aiden Hutchinson? I thought that was a great pick. And he, not to mention he went second overall. So it was like, to me, it was – uh, they got a good deal on that end anyway, because I think he could have been first overall in the draft. He should have been um, first overall. Trayvon Walker was taken over upside. Right, exactly. And I, I think it's a great situation that you guys have with him for the future. But I am concerned, as you alluded to there, about the rest of the defense, the linebackers, the safeties, and some of the corners situation and the depth on this roster. This is going to be the, the part of the team that I am most worried about. And is Jared Goff going to be in shootouts all season long? Because I don't know that this is going to be – Maybe not as bad as the Bears' defense, but I don't think they're going to be in the top half. I'll put it that way. What do you think? Well, the cornerback room isn't as bad as everybody thinks. We did add Mike Hughes. We did. We still have Jerry Jacobs, who showed out last year. Ify Melifamu was moved to safety to help shore up the safety room with a big, strong, able to stretch the field and cover sideline to sideline. He is quick. Okuda is faster than he was at his combine. Okay. And yeah. so that's huge. He's staying step for step with Shark. That's, right. that's huge. Big. Yeah. And Shark runs a runs a four three five or something like that. Right. That's that's insane. What so with Hutchison and Brockers, like what are we thinking here on this defensive line? Is it gonna be able to get to the quarterback or contain a run or what's the uh, feeling? Well, there? last year the Lions were able to get thirty five sacks with a beleaguered defense. If this defense is able to see stay, uh, stay healthy, I see no reason with the additions they have all the way across the board on having 40-plus sacks. All right, that would be huge right there. That would That'd help out the massive. secondary issues that we're talking about now. Because that's um, you know that's what helps a bad, uh, average secondary, and that's what I'm going to call them. Is there an average secondary even in the division? They're not bottom of the barrel, but they're not elite either. What I see 
is if we're able to get the pressure that it looks like they're going to be able to provide and keep fresh legs with the amount of rotational depth we have, you got Charles Harris, Julian Aquara, Romeo Aquara once he comes back healthy, which should be around five or six. You also have uh, Aiden Hutchinson. Josh Pascal should be back by week five or six after having sports hernia surgery. And for the Packers, and I don't know if you guys know this, but Christian Watson just had knee surgery and is not expected to play for the first part of the season. Yeah, we just talked about Nick mm-hmm. with that. So Yeah, and that's, that's kind of huge for them. Yeah, they're in trouble in the wide receiver room. And granted, Aaron Rodgers is that good of a quarterback. He can make wide receivers better. But when Anthony Lazard looks like your true number one wide receiver, is that a good wide receiver room? It's not pretty. No, not at all. That's that's a <laughs> hard situation. You got the corpse. You got the corpse of Randall Cobb, who's not a red zone target anymore. You got he, he has a Sammy corpse. Watkins. <laughs> yeah. You got Sammy Watkins, who might play ten games if you're lucky. You got Anthony Lazard that hasn't played more than ten games a season, and then you got Christian Watson, who may not be back till the till week six or five, seven. Yeah, they're they're in trouble. That I, being we, said, I had them winning the division, but I could also see the Vikings stealing it from them too. Uh, the Vikings are going to have growing pains too. Don't forget, they may have a ton of talent on offense and defense, but they're doing a complete scheme change from a four three to a three four. They didn't add a lot of talent. That's three four talent this year. So there's going to be growing pains defensively, which will take you know with the defense. It could take anywhere from five to six weeks for them to get their footing and their grasp of the new defense. All right, so here's your big money question here because I have a Monroe St. Brown on my fantasy team this year. I want to know who's going to end up being your WR1. Is it a Monroe St. Brown? Is it DJ Chark or is it somebody else? As of right now, it's DJ Shark, 100%. He is the number one wide receiver on the roster until Williams comes back healthy and then he may supplant him. So you're, so you're looking at Amon Ross St. Brown being a two to three WR. He, he more than likely will be playing more out of the slot, as will Cephas. Both those guys do better as a slot receiver than they do on the outside. They are better crisp route runners, which is where you traditionally have your slot, slot guys. But that's not being said that they won't get targets. I think there won't be a single wide receiver that gets 1,000 yards on this team. I think the ball is going to be spread around so much with all the targets that you're going to see a bunch of guys with 500 to 750 yards. Very interesting. Yeah, the DJ Chark one is interesting to me just because of the injury history, obviously, there. And I think he's more well-known for his speed and some deep threat abilities. I'm on Ross St. Brown, more the underneath type of guy. Um, But I I could easily see Jamison Williams, once he's fully healthy, taking over and having a down-the-stretch breakout type of a situation like a Jamar Chase even. So I could see that being a like last eight weeks of the season, him being the guy to really pull away and become the true number one of the offense. Yeah, it's going to be a pick your poison on who you're going to double. Because once Williams comes back, you got Reynolds, Williams, and Shark. Who are you doubling and leaving Hawkinson, Swift, Cephas, Amon Ra, and all those guys underneath wide open? That's, that's a fair point there. Hey, real quick here before your prediction time, is Devin Funch is going to make this team at tight end? Uh, he hasn't really played much because he's already hurt again. I have the feeling he won't make the team. 
bunch of. Yeah, speaking of corpse, I mean, we can add him to the list of corpse that are still hanging around the league. I mean, we picked him up because at the time we had four tight ends on the pup list in in camp. So all we had was T.J. Hawkinson and Brock Wright at that time. Derek Deese was hurt. Uh, Gilbert Griffin was hurt. James Mitchell is, was still recovering from his ACL tear that happened midway through the college season. You know, there was all sorts of people on the pup list that couldn't play. But all of them were back for regular training camp as far as the tight ends were concerned. And then Funchess went on the pup list. See, I was just assumed Funchess was like a cheap pop because of the, the local kid type of thing. So that's that's right. why I always took that as anyway. It was just oh, let's bring him on. I had you know, the, he went to Michigan. <laughs> I I have the feeling he's going to end up on the practice squad, but not protected, and he may get poached to a team that needs a body, or he'll be there in case of injury depth. But that being said, somebody said, "Well, Funches doesn't block." I, I said, "Evidently, they didn't watch him at Carolina, or when he was a tight end at Michigan his first year, when he actually was a great run blocking tight end and not much of a receiving threat till like halfway through the season." Good, good points there for sure. All right, prediction time. Jeremy, what do you got? Lions finishing at? You know, the realist in me says if we get seven wins or more, I'm happy. But with this schedule being as easy as, as it is, I want to say they're going to get nine or ten wins. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Jason? Yeah, I mean, I like the way the – the direction that this franchise is headed. Obviously their roster is getting a lot better. Um, I'm going to go with seven and 10. Uh, and I think they're still a couple of years away from like a drastic improvement. So I'll go seven and 10 this year. I see the lions this year being a lot like cryptocurrency in a way of it's, <laughs> it's going to be, you know, volatile is there is the word. Is that right, Jason? Sure. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I see a very uh, uh, high and low kind of, kind of a thing where you're going to have some games that maybe, you go out there and destroy a team by 25 points and other games where, you know, the defense just totally folds. I have them going eight and nine on the season. So just ends up, ends up playing out right down the middle, but you're going to have highs and lows all year long. That's what I foresee. I got eight and a nine as well for this Lions team. So, Okay. So let's look at what they did last year with a 45% practice squad roster starting for about, 12 weeks of the season. They went two, nine and one in one score games. They went two, nine and one and nine score games. Guess where a lot of those one score games were. They were green Bay, green Bay. No, throughout the whole season, they played the Ravens and lost by two. They played the Rams and lost by three. They played Minnesota and lost by two. They played Chicago and lost by three. They played, um, they beat Minnesota yep. by two. They beat Green Bay by four. I, I think mean, the biggest problem. And then they had a double-digit win against the number one seed. Granted, it was a, a fallacy. It was kind of like the number one seed that was the Pittsburgh Steelers last year going 11-0. It was a false number one seed there in week 15 when we beat the Arizona Cardinals that nobody saw coming, and we housed oh, them at 31-10. Right. to 10. That's right. See, that's that that's that hot I'm talking about where crypto shoots up real quick and then you're going to crash back down and ended up losing to some of these other teams that you probably should be beating in the end. I mean, last year, 30, 31st out of, out of 32 teams on the, on the defense points allowed. And I don't see enough improvements on the defensive side to have a consistent team. And that's what it's going to come down to for me. But eight wins, I mean, that's a five win improvement. 
they may have been 31st in points scored, but that's due to the five blowouts they had. That is the reason why. You had five teams that just totally housed us. Two of them just ran the ball over us like nothing. That was the Seahawks and the Eagles. They ran all over us. That's the biggest thing. What I saw in this practice, and this is where I think it'll be better, is the tackling is tremendously better from what I saw last year. Not a single running back, not Swift, not Williams, not Craig Reynolds, not Jameer Jefferson had a run bigger than eight yards. Oh, wow. All right. That's, that's, that's going to be a huge thing. That's be we a all know time. that tackling as Chiefs fans. And that was versus, versus first and second string and full pads. Yep. Both uh, strings didn't aspect. give up big runs. Definitely the right guys for it. Uh, let's uh, get and that's the, that's the that's the other one that I wanted to say is, you know, everybody we signed in the offseason and we drafted, the one thing they do not have defensively is tackling as an issue. Uh, that's, wow. that's big time. That's what you need there. It is what we needed. It is. <laughs> After last year. Chark having Hawks, St. Brown, Reynolds, Cephas, less options. Uh, fun. He says, your boy Eric says Funches will make it. So Lions float into the wild card, <laughs> Eric says. The nine wins. This That's is a, a guy a that has game. been the same old Lions guy for the last 20 years. His dad was the on the conglomerate. High expectations, I hope, guy? <laughs> no, no, no. So when I say same old Lions, he was like, oh, they're never going to win. They're never going to do this. They're never going to do nothing. This is the first time he has been where, wow, I actually see something. And he's right. been around the Lions. <laughs> he, he's been that around the Lions since the early 80s as a kid because his dad was a part of WDIV, WJR, all the, all the stations that played the Lions. So he had sweet tickets as a kid and went to every game. Gotcha. Well, so, hey, yeah. we, we obviously have we wish the best for the Lions. Obviously, we, we, we think we, we see uh, some good potential there. Uh, well, I'd be you, curious. If- I'm going to go piggyback off of that 31st uh, scoring defense. What you don't don't fail to realize is as bad as we were the year before, we were the 32nd defense in every defensive metric. Guess what we were in total yardage? 28. As bad as that defense was, it improved greatly from what they had, the historically bad defense. They gave up more yards and more points than any defense in NFL history in 2020. All right. I, I got one more for you because it just came out the other day that they somebody, I don't know who, named Jim Brown the greatest running back of all time, and I've got my reservations about that. Uh, where, where do you rank these guys in terms of like Jim Brown, Barry Sanders, and uh, uh I hate to say it, Walter Payton. Uh, I got it as Walter Payton, Barry Sanders, Jim Brown, then Emmett Smith in that order. So you have so Walter Barry. over you've Barry. got Barry second as well. Why Walter over Barry? I'm a Walter Payton guy, so go ahead. Most yards in NFL history, uh, won a Super Bowl with his team. That's better than Barry did. Barry only had one playoff win in his career. All right. I, I give maybe Walter the edge just because of versatility. I feel like Walter could do everything extremely well. And maybe, uh, I don't know, Barry wasn't used quite the same way as well. Walter actually was running the Wildcat there in Chicago in the uh, 70s. So 
that was going on way before the Dolphins ever pulled that crap out. My, my whole thing with that is that if you would have put Barry Sanders on the Dallas Cowboys instead of Emmett Smith, he would have won 12 straight Super Bowls. Oh, more than likely. That being said, am I way a, off on that? There, there, here's, a, here's an interesting fact for you. The year that Barry had the 2000 yard rushing season, do you know what else he led the league in? No. The amount of times he was tackled for loss. I mean, yep, that's right. Yeah. Huh. Hey, we he have was a, tackled we have, for loss 112 carries. That's insane. Uh, right. Charles McLean from our Facebook group. If you're not following our Facebook group, Sports and Foods, guys, go check it out. Uh, he said the Lions in second with a 9-8 and eight record, but not sure it's enough for a wild card. But he hopes the Ram- Lions play the Rams in the first round and beats the Rams. Uh, uh, and well, also – wanted your oh, opinion yeah. on new number nine yeah did you guys hear about that uh jamal i mean um jameson williams contacted matt stafford and asked him for permission oh. to take over the number nine and oh, matt stafford that. has graciously said yes he could wear it so now yeah, jameson yeah, williams jameson williams number one class act for asking permission instead of just doing it because there was no number nine on the roster Right. And class act to Matt Stafford by saying, go ahead. Right, which we expected out of Stafford, of course. But hey, that's really cool that, I mean, first of all, Stafford's obviously on to uh, different things now in his career. So in his mind, he's probably like, well, you make more out of it than what I did as far as, uh, you know, winning playoff games and such. With so, the Lions. You know, <laughs> Williams can, can carry that number nine over and maybe get to the playoffs a few more times than what Stafford was able to do in the, with Detroit. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that had to do with bad play calling. I've called it yeah. for years, even with Schwartz. Uh, Scott Linehan was only here that one great season, and that was the year we went to the playoffs and lost to New Orleans, which that was not on Matt Stafford. That was on that defense. They couldn't stop him. I mean, granted, that, that fumble called back on a bogus holding call that was a defensive touchdown probably would have changed the tone of that game, putting us up by 14 points at the time, but that's another story. Right. Stafford was never the problem in in Detroit. I mean, I always feel like uh, everyone saw that as an obvious thing for sure. Oh yeah. I mean, he was never the problem. The problem was we didn't have a cohesive unit around him and bad play calling to boot. Jim Caldwell was notorious for running the ball in the first half, getting a lead and then never running the ball. After halftime, look at the Dallas game. That's like bipolar syndrome, dude. Look at the look at the Dallas game. Reggie Bush goes down, Joyke Bell goes down, and Zach Zenner, a rookie, comes in, rushes for seventy-seven yards and two touchdowns in the first half to help give us the lead. We were up. What was it? Twenty-one to ten, I think it was. Eleven points at the half, or twenty-one to three, or whatever. He gets the ball on the first play of the second half, gets an eight-yard rush, sets up a nice first, easy first down pass, and that's the last time he ran the ball other than third and short. And every time he ran the ball and converted, it was a holding call that pulled See, he's, back. He's, he was trying to use reverse psychology. Oh, you think I'm going to run oh, yeah. it. Now, now, watch, it. now watch what I do. Am I going to do it? Am I going to do it? <laughs> <laughs> that just blows my mind. Look. Run, run the ball when you got when you don't have the lead, and then don't run the ball when you have the lead. That makes as much sense as wiping your butt and then going to take the crap. <laughs> yeah. Hey, wait, yeah. 
No, never mind. I didn't try that. You didn't do that. You didn't do that. <laughs> I, I thought I did. Not that one. I see it real quick here. Eric says the only time all the last year total healthy now. This is a healthy unit, which is true because they were banged up going into training camp, preseason, and going to the end, of, and then season start. He has Jim Brown, Barry Payton, which is interesting. Uh, Smith was north, south, next to O line. Uh, Charles again. Stafford was in Detroit when Lions had number two defense in the league and lost in the playoffs. Yeah, and number that's two the game I'm talking league, about. Still didn't help. Yep. Uh, and still to Stafford. this day, the best rushing defense. This, the best rushing defense in NFL history. They only gave up 59.8 yards a game. Wow, even better than what the Buccaneers did for two yeah. years. That's insane. Well, Jeremy, we're going to let you go here. Uh, but I appreciate you All joining right. on, hopping on, talking Lions, talking football in general. We always love it when, you, when we're able to talk with you. Uh, guys, if you guys don't know, Jeremy has to show on an hour before us. Uh, where he talks a whole bunch of different stuff, including lines and stuff. Uh, make sure you guys check him out. Kneecap button with smoking Jeremy B. Go check it out, guys. It's a great show. Yeah, it, thank you very much for having me on. I, I'm a pleasure to also be a part of the Let's Talk Sports Network. Uh, yes. We're going to be probably collaborating together a couple times, Tanner. We will. Don't don't you worry. We will. We got some pregame stuff coming into play, and we got a whole NFL season ahead of us. So I'm excited. Yes, for we it. do. I'm excited too. Go Lions! One pride, and every day in Michigan, it's an FTP day, and that isn't the florist. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Love it. All right. Thanks, Jeremy. Thank you. <clears throat> yep. Thank you. Have a great day. Uh, Smoking Jeremy B, guys. Kneecap Biden. Make sure you guys go follow him. Does great work over there. Uh, fabulous show. And he's he's actually just started this year on this channel. And he's already above 100 subscribers. So go check him out. Yeah, very, very nice. Getting a good perspective from all different fan bases. One of the one of the number one things I always pick up on now, this is the fourth division we've – or eighth division now we've gone over – or fourth division, excuse me. I was like, we've gone over now at this point. <laughs> and it's, it's – everyone is a very uh, – optimistic about their teams mm -hmm. i would say and i've the kept, i've kept track of this in my head and we've only come across one fan one fan so far that has picked their team to be under 500 out of all the fans that we've talked to or actually two of them i guess the, our steelers guy was uh was maybe a little honest scott but, with the patriots um i believe right did i did he have them yeah he, he had them he had winning under. like seven or eight wins on that but uh, otherwise i mean even for some of the teams that have a lot to prove i think we've had everyone like definitely over some of our, you know, as non-fans, yep. kind of a record belief, that kind of deal. Uh, so it makes me think sometimes, you know, like when, whenever in the past the Chiefs have had rough seasons like 2010, 2011, when we're over here going like, oh, man, we got Peyton Hillis. We're going to go out there and win 10 or 11 games. And then we go out and win two. <laughs> you know, it makes me think about that those moments of like high expectations and optimism only to be crushed. And, uh, you know, just get, get some good old coal in your stockings. So not that I'm wishing that on anybody, but uh, I think we're, we're probably here to maybe temper some of the expectations and give maybe just our outsiders realistic expectations, I suppose I would say. Yeah, I, I agree. I think we just all have a different base off of it, but it's nice to hear. Uh, from a, the it's base. an unbiased base, obviously. Oh, it is for us. You know, and we're, not, we're not to the Chiefs yet, but. Not to give any spoilers, but I'm probably not even going to pick them to win the division. Yeah, just because you but. see a bunch of red behind us doesn't mean that we're like, you know, 
going to pick the Chiefs for everything. But then again, if you say 12 wins, you're probably going to be right almost every time. So, Correct. I mean, considering the history of oh, Mahomes and Reed. Going on, so. Well, uh, anything going on this week, guys? Uh, this week, well, lots of football going on this weekend. Are, are we doing a pregame show? We're going to do a pregame show. Selling the Kingdom pregame show Saturday. Uh, check it out, guys. Yep, we'll be there Saturday morning before the Chiefs play at noon Central Time. Hoping to kick this pregame show off probably an hour or two beforehand. Uh, stay tuned for that. So we're breaking down some of the things we've seen at training camp, some of the things we've picked up on, some of the exciting rookies and what we expect out of guys like Leo Chanel and what we want to see out of those kind of guys in week one of preseason. Yep. And uh, let's see here. What else we got here? Doing my mock show. So mock drafts, guys. Every night I'm aiming to do a mock draft. Uh, sometime between nine and 10 start around that time and try to do a couple mocks each night uh, all the way to the big weekend at the end of the month. So uh, just come join, come see, come see where your players are, come see who's going to be there late, stuff like that. And I'm more than willing to pick at different spots as well. So join us there. We're going to do that tonight here a little after the show, probably about 10 maybe. Uh, and I don't know. I don't know if we're going to do a Let's Talk Sport. We're going to do a Let's Talk Sport. Right? I will be back on with you guys JG on will be Saturday. For sure. I should be on there. Let's Talk Sports, 11 a.m. I'm doing a big, big oh, roundabout between on Saturday and On Saturday. So we're doing so we're doing ours two hours before then? No, we're going to figure it out. I'll, I'll, okay. We'll figure it all out between us. Don't worry. Keep, keep your eye posted. JG, myself, will be on the Let's Talk Sports at some point on Saturday morning. Mike and I will be doing a Selling the Kingdom. And JG, if he wants in. So... Uh, for a pregame show it'll all happen saturday because we're excited for it chiefs finally preseason starts officially i don't count the hall of fame game so no. officially starts thursday tomorrow excited for you guys so and uh, next week we'll be back with another afc division breakdown so we did nfc to this week so next week back to the afc we're doing the afc is it the we're going to the afc north or we did the, the afc south. south afc south will be next yeah. wednesday so talking about some Trevor oh, Lawrence. Oh no! Talking about some J JT Jonathan Taylor. Do you know what this means, guys? Uh, it means talking about this. This so. means we get Carlos back on. You remember Carlos from the draft? Um, uh, from Lodger? I do. The Tennessee yeah, fan. Us. Carlos the Wall Man. All right, We're gonna then. get him on for sure. Very very nice. That sounds good to me. So uh, Carlos, I don't know if you're listening. You probably are. You're on next week, so be ready. Uh, all right, guys. We'll catch us catch me on Buffoon and Bakken's Monday night as well. Uh, all right, guys. That's it for us. Unless you guys have something else. Mm -mm. I'll see y'all on the next one. See you guys.